everybody. Welcome back to the Next Level Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Leslie. You will have to excuse me for my ratchety voice. I was <laughs> dancing all weekend at a tango festival in Los Angeles, and boy, did I have a fantastic time. I mean, the music gets loud. I was, you know, a little um, scratchy from the allergies last week, but yeah, I totally went. <laughs> Is that what we're calling it, allergies? We're calling it allergies. Okay. (laughs) Lana was calling me out saying it was deep throat syndrome. (laughs) I didn't think you was actually going to say it on the podcast. I did. Because you don't know me that well. I just got to know you tonight. (laughs) I mean, you said it. But no, I had such a great time. Um, Tango is such an important part of my life because it's an expression. It's good for mental health. There's so much research on dancing, but particularly tango and even modified tango for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and just um, so many other mental wellness. It's a part of my brand actually incorporating dance. So it's, it's so, I get so supercharged. So this is the voice of a very, very happy Mentally well, I bet the lady. Fuck you are. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I bet the fuck he is. No. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's joke. Let's okay. Go. Let's okay. Let's focus. Done. Let's focus. We start off on such a great happy note. Um, <laughs> so today is going to be a Q and A episode with yours truly. Woo-woo. This is going to be a challenge because I sound like so in Canada we do one nine hundred numbers like for like the sexy voice you call and she's like talking. So I have the one nine hundred number voice today. <laughs> it's like the worst day for me to be doing a Q and A, but we have some really great questions and yeah. we're just gonna, you know, I kind of like it. I kind of some one of my patients today at the clinic was like, "You have a really sexy voice." It does. I. I bitch she was like uh, 60 years old I was like are you hitting on me (laughs) I mean these are the things your doctors are thinking about when you say shit to them I mean but she was like you sound like you have one of those like sexy number voices and I'm like yeah thank you I guess you you don't know what I do on the weekends and I'm like I don't know what she does on the weekends if that's what crossed her mind I'm like what did you do in your past life I mean, (laughs) I have a good time with my patients. But yeah, so maybe me straining my voice a little more might uh, allow me to keep these stressed vocal cords. I don't know. I kind of like it every now and then I get. How was your stress reliever this weekend? Because I know you did Tangle this weekend, right? Yes. How was it? So it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, it is, like I said, it's a mental and emotional and really spiritual experience. Like when you dance, it really becomes meditative because when you're connecting yeah. with somebody and you dance with different people, I always try to dance with the good people because I'm good and I don't like to be just fl- flopped around the dance floor. But it's <laughs> it was so magnificent. I had so many amazing tandas is what we call it. Mm-hmm. And um, I really took my tango game to the next level just with all the practicing and, and all the, the work that I've been doing. I've been really accelerating. It, it was just beautiful. So stress relieving and I got back here late late Sunday night more like early Monday morning and just felt like a, mil- a million dollars oh I love million that dollars. I love that for you that's so good I felt like shit <laughs> what happened to you this weekend girl well I guess in so many words you can say like I I just I know how to choose them girl and I, I... oh wait so okay uh-oh. Just everyone who's listening, we got to like do a little girl catch up. Yeah. So the last thing I knew, yes. this is the guy that you were going to have a baby with 
or a surrogate. I mean, it would be nice. Guy. It would be nice. So that's it, what it was, and now it would be nice and because shit went down. Yeah. What happened? Okay, ask the doctor. The doctor's in the house. Basically, like, I want to I wanna know why I just, I can't fucking choose them. Like, I just, I have horrible taste in men, and I'm, like, wondering, what is your advice in a sense of, like, how do I place healthy boundaries when it comes to relationships? Because I have a guy who basically... Uh, he he's not emotionally available, so I'm always wondering like, if you're not emotionally available, and I have somebody else who wants to take your place, I guess you can say like there there's someone who is mo emotionally available, but I still want you. Like I still I I'm still all about you. I want you, and I wanted what we had, but now you're ghosting me. Now you're acting weird. So now I have a guy that like wants to give me the attention. And now that now that my guy sees somebody else giving me attention, all of a sudden the motherfucker wants to come back. It wants to be right. It wants to act right. What the fuck? What, what do I do there? So the question is not how to have healthy boundaries. The question is why the fuck are you allowing yourself to attract that guy in the beginning? Okay, yeah, that, yeah. So really it comes down to belief systems. So let me give you an example of an experience that I had, oh, okay? Uh -oh. So I was in a similar situation attracting guys that were subpar. I would always attract these short guys that were not what <laughs> I wanted, the not, and I have a type. We all know, anyone yes. who knows me, they all know that I had a type, <laughs> right? And I was attracting very much not my type, and it was really starting to piss me off. They they might adore me and all the things, but yeah. I just, I didn't understand why I was attracting these guys. And I would I would settle for them, kind of, yeah. in a way. But then I would get tired of them because they would never live up. So I was in this cycle of, like, I'm dating, I'm going. I'm like, this is not at all what I want. What the fuck is going on? Right. Whether they were emotionally available or not or in love with me, which most of them were, or not, it didn't matter. It was like the fucking type to begin with, right? So if you keep attracting an emotionally unavailable guy or guys that, you know, you just can't jive with, there are underlying beliefs that you have about either men and or yourself or relationships that you have written in stone beliefs are what you have feelings from and you take action from right so we need to understand what your beliefs are that are keeping you attracting a guy like that or keeping oh. you loving this man because it's not about boundaries because you just said i still want him we need you to not want him right and that goes down to your belief why do you believe that you deserve a man that is so emotionally unavailable and not more than that. Ugh. Ugh. Boom. Uh, you know, it's uh, fucked uh, up. No yeah, necessary. you're making me fucking think because. Uh. This is an exercise you'll have to do on your own unless you want to do it now. I mean, these are things that I do with, you know, coaching clients. When I see them, um, it's, it's really, really about belief systems first. Yeah. So, like, my example. I was like, yeah, why the fuck am I doing that? Why am I attracted? Oh, my God. I didn't realize as I got, I had these really, it was just belief systems. I felt like 
the hot guys that were tall that I really knew that I should be with. I would see like these hot guys that were my type and I'm like, why the fuck is that bitch with him? (laughs) You should be with me. But when those guys would walk by, I would never see them because they were not in my, I was not attracting them. I was not seeing them because subconsciously, my mind was erasing them out of my existence because I didn't have strong enough beliefs to align myself. What my beliefs were, those tall, hot guys don't want a chick like me because I'm too ambitious, I'm uh, too too much, or um, they, they're maybe cheaters or they don't want to commit. Like right. the hot guys always – it was like really fucked up shit that I learned when I was – in like my teenage years because thanks to my brothers I'm calling you assholes out yes Yay. my brothers you guys <laughs> ruined me on so many things with dating. <laughs> which I've unfucked up which is great but um no it's I had belief systems like just that you know certain guys you know behaved that way or didn't and I was like this is dumb that I'm my age I've gone through this and those were the things that were on that list as I've gotten old and some other things like, well, I'm older and I've got kids and maybe they wouldn't, like just all these little stupid things. And I literally, this is all it took. And it's really this simple, okay? You sit down with yourself and you ask yourself, what do I believe, um, something to this effect, what do I have to believe to attract a man that is emotionally unavailable? Like, what is it that I believe? And you just start saying, okay, well, I I don't think that I deserve someone who loves me or I'm afraid of commitment or I, when a g- guy who really loves me and is emotionally available, I get scared and I run. Whatever it is, mm. right? So you need to get real with yourself and go to the core root belief. And you can just write this out. The more you get into practice, the more you'll be able to really get down to the root of it. And if you want to go so deep, which oftentimes it can with some people, is like childhood or a particular experience. And then that might be like, oh, my God, that's where that fucking thing came from because my daddy didn't do this. <laughs> and then you cry. And then you're like, oh, shit. Okay, well, now I'm a big girl. That is, I can choose not to feel that. I release that. What do I want to believe about right. myself and about men and relationships? And then you... When you choose those beliefs, because coming becoming aware of a belief system in itself dissolves right. it, it illuminates it. Right. Then you get now it's a choice. It's not automatic. Now you choose your beliefs and what you align with, and then you say, "Okay, these are my new belief systems." So for me, I'm like, I want my tall, exotic, sexy, loving, fill in the blank man. And these are the new beliefs that I have about that shit. Right. And I get in a week and a fucking half from that day that I changed my belief system, that person walked in my life. It is like instant, but you have to go through every single one of your belief systems. These belief systems are what make us feel and right. carry and act. And I'm telling you what the difference was. This is a very, very simple way of explaining how the belief systems work. So... I knew the very moment when I saw that guy, this is what happened, Lana. Mm -hmm. It was like absolutely insane. There was this moment when I was like, do I talk to him or do I not? Like my old, so I walked Your old belief systems took over. Well, it was the old, that old like subconscious, but Mm -hmm. at least this time I was aware it was there because my belief system had Mm -hmm. changed. Mm -hmm. So it's like, are you going to do it? And I walked by him and then I was just like, 
that new belief is like, dude, turn around. Like you, this is your opportunity. I turned around and was like, hey, you know, and I, because I recognized him, I'd seen him before. And it was just like, that was it. It was done. Dundee. So my behavior, was my confidence, done. my knowing what I was worth, I firstly, I saw him because he was in my radar of belief systems, what I was aligning myself with. And then also I got the prompts from my subconscious to conscious saying, um, this is what you're looking for. It's right there. What are you going to do? And then I took the action because I was confident in that. I had that belief system. So for people who are sort of newish to how this sort of phenomena works, our brains are very tricky. We only see what we basically believe and what we're right. telling ourselves. Right. We've done many, many, there's many, many studies out there. Mm -hmm. Like another good one is my brother. It was so funny. I, I think I've told this in season one, but he, <laughs> this is when we were teenagers. He was making some french fries and he was looking for the ketchup bottle. And it was like, you know, a table like this, oh, yeah. the island. Yeah. And he made the french fry and he was just like, he got so mad. Where's the fucking ketchup? Where is it? I can't find it. And I literally am standing there looking at the ketchup bottle on the table. I'm fucking bawling <laughs> laughing because he cannot see the ketchup bottle right in front of him. I can't find it. Where is it? Like, it was right there. His perception was like, I can't find it. Someone threw it out. Where oh, did I no. put it? It was, I love this example because it is such a proof of literally. It's right there. It is right. It was right there in front of him. I was on the other side. I'm like, dude, can you not see the ketchup bottle? Seriously? And he's like, I can't see it. And I literally, I just went like this. I like looked down and he looks down and he was like, in that moment when he was like looking at me, look, it, I intersected his pattern. Right, right. And then I looked down and he looked down. He, he's like, oh my God, I can't believe. So the mind is very powerful with our belief Seriously. systems. So for your specific situation, and just like my example of me actively changing my belief systems, uh -huh. you, you need to get to the bottom of it and figure out what you believe that's attracting this guy, why you still want him, and then what do I need to believe in order for me to attract the kind of guy that I want and to right. receive that love. Right. So you can even, since you have two men right now that you're kind of, um, you know, has as uh, I don't want to say comparisons, but you know, one that's right. great and love you, but for some reason you don't like him, and <laughs> one that you love, but who's not available, right? You know, what are your beliefs? You can even say, What are your beliefs about the guy that loves you that as a reason for why you don't love him? You know, what's funny is the, the question that I wanted to ask while you were saying all of that is like, I have a type just like you do, yeah. I'm starting to hate my type. Like I'm really starting to like, I feel like most of the guys that are my type, the, the guys that I'm attracted to aren't emotionally available. And then like now that you're speaking, I'm like, why do I, why am I so interested? But I'm like, I don't, I don't know what it is about them. I would be careful about you labeling. See, that's another belief oh. that you're trying, that you are, that you are saying that your type are emotionally unavailable. You are now creating a belief that your type that you want has, th that may not be true either, right? right? Because right. no matter what race or ethnicity or whatever your type is, there's a good, amazing man. 
So, so. so what we need to do before you start making this cor correlation that's going to end up being very rooted and it's going to be hard for you to un, right. you know, is really get down. Maybe, in fact, that isn't truly your type. Maybe that's a daddy issue type. Or, ah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just being silly. But, you know, those are things to ask yourself. What, you know, really, if this is something that you want to do, you need to be passionately passionate about your belief systems. Right. Beliefs are everything. And you can instantly change your belief. There doesn't have to be a process unless you want there to be a process. But as soon as you identify a belief and you change it, in that moment, you can accept that belief has changed and everything will change in that moment. The, you know, when people feel like they need time to change, it's just that they're not ready to change. Right. You change in a moment. The process doesn't create the change. Right. The process is just you kind of warming up and getting yourself ready to make that change. But a change happens in a moment. Right. So for you, I would, like I said, just um, really dive in and find out maybe, maybe this type is my type. Maybe this type really isn't my type. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that might be the case too. So so all of these things are things that you need to really know and be clear about with yourself because, right. I mean, you want to stop this cycle. If I do. You, you need to, then you need to be as, as humans, every single time, every single time we will, this is our nature, it's our survival thing. We lean into the things that are less painful and we lean away from things that are are most painful. Right. So this situation with the men is not great, <laughs> but on some level, this is less painful than the alternate right. of change. Right. Right. And a lot of people don't want to go and dive into their demons because it's hard to relive trauma or what the sh what is lurking down in yeah, there? Yeah, it's dark. It can be. It can be. But that's your key to freedom. That's why you have to go into your beliefs and the beliefs will be like, oh, that belief is there because of that. I mean, I've done so much of my personal development and yeah. inner work. Like, I don't have any more of those those shadows. They're, they have been abolished a long time ago. So now it's very simple. It's like, oh, what's that belief? Oh, okay. They're, they're pretty malleable. I can change them quickly. But when people just start getting on their, you know, deep dive right it can the roots can go real deep because they haven't gone there yet yeah and it can be scary it's fucking scary it doesn't tickle it's not kittens licking your face <laughs> <laughs> which kind of hurts actually yeah that's right actually that is, that is horrible yeah they're like sandpaper um can i ask you um sure. do you like do you know like, can I ask you a question about depression, I guess? Do you, like, have you ever experienced depression yourself? Oh, God, yes. Yeah? Okay, so, like, I kind of, I have, but I don't think I've ever experienced depression the way that, like, someone in my life has experienced depression. And I find it, I think, I think my mentality is telling me that, like, I'm being selfish for thinking that he's being selfish, for being depressed what do you think about that because i don't know how to explain it like so i he's he's just like this person's going through a lot he's going through the most mm -hmm. and so he's in a really depressive state 
to the point where they're telling me like, you know, I want to hurt myself. I want to end everything. This is like, it's, it's becoming too much. And I'm like, okay, like, and I'm trying to be there for you. So you know that someone's there for you. Mm-hmm. But then I get ghosted, right? So I get ghosted. And now this is a person who's telling me that they want to end their life. But then I'm like, okay, then can you at least text me good night every night so that I know that you're alive and they don't. So now I'm freaking out. Is it selfish to think that he's being selfish for being depressed? That's so great. That's so great. Uh, Like a great question. Mm -hmm. This is a little bit challenging because there was, there was, you know, I'm very much into the mental health arena. A lot of time, and I don't know all the statistics, I'm a little bit, you know, out of, out of, you know, the current literature, particularly on depression specifically, but from my experiences clinically and personally, I had someone in my life like that. Oftentimes people, if they're, you know, if they're depressed and they're feeling sad, yeah, yeah, they they want support. They'll talk about it. A lot of times people will suffer in silence. Um, If people want to talk about their depression and they don't want to, they don't seek help, oftentimes it's a pattern of self-soothing of finding significance of feeling you know it's because we have human needs right Right. six human needs and so some people find their significance in very positive ways like being a comedian or being a podcaster or tango or whatever (laughs) yeah right or just being a cool person other people can find significance by clinging to a bad habit you know being you know being a criminal or using depression as a way to make themselves feel significant sometimes okay this is please i don't want to get any emails or anything about this (laughs) this is a very specific situation um i've experienced depression but i again sometimes people will use their challenges as a way to get the attention and the and the soothing and the significance that they need like munchausen syndrome in the wheelhouse, yeah, okay. yeah, kind of similar, okay, right? Yeah. Yep. So, um, and that's not that's not predominantly the case with depression, right? But right, yeah. what you're picking up on is pretty accurate because oftentimes when people are depressed, they're depressed. They they're they internalize. They're sad. They don't want to talk about it. They want to hide. They want to go by themselves. Right. right? They're not saying. I mean, if if they're crying out for help and they're like suicidal. That shit you take seriously and then you yes. call and then you refer them and you're like, dude, I don't want you to hurt yourself. But if it's a – and then they're ghosting, you know, it is – you do have to start thinking, okay, what significance are they getting by by, by holding on to this and not getting help? Yeah. They may not even be aware of it either. It's not like they're deliberately think, doing yeah. it. You know, it's just it some people get so stuck – that they they end up identifying with it as their way of being significant and it just sticks and they're like oh you know subconsciously they're like okay i'm a depressed person when i'm depressed i get attention people are there and i get my needs stroked and then i can just ghost and leave but it leaves you as the caregiver person going what the uh, just happened yeah so you know in this situation if the person reaches out just say i want to be there for you but I'm, I don't know how to best care for you. Right. I'm suggesting you go to therapy or see a psychiatrist or somebody. And right. you, this is where your boundary comes in. Because if you're feeling drained and you're feeling like something is up and maybe you're feeling like they're being selfish, 
you can have a boundary there and say, this is too much for me. Right. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand. I'm starting, the fact that you're saying that, feeling that he's selfish is, is telling all of us that you're not liking the pull that you're getting. Of course not, yeah. And so we just honor that and say, okay, Lana yeah. is not in a place to whatever this is, whether it's for attention or real or whatever, you just can't do that. And that's okay. Yeah. And so if that person reaches out to you, just say, listen, I want to be there. I don't know how to. This is getting uncomfortable for me. I worry about you. And so I'm suggesting you go to a therapist and get help. Talk to me about what you're learning to help you get better. Yeah. I will listen to that because I guarantee you, you'll be interested in that. A thousand percent. Exactly. You don't want someone to just be pulling you down and they don't want to get better. That's what's happening, right? That's literally what's happening. They just want to feel significant. Oh, she's going to listen. I get to feel significant. And then it's just like when his cup is full, he goes. And you're like, what? Wait, what? what's happening? Are you okay? No, no, no. All you say is, I can't do this. When you're ready to get help, I would, be, I would love to actually hear what you're doing and what you're being told to get better. Is it? Is and it then let me tell you, they will not be calling you anymore because – you've now taken their supply of significance away. <laughs> right? The depression may or may not, whatever the role is or how severe, you know, but that is also their journey. Right? And right. and if something should happen and it is a real depressive episode, you're still in the right by putting up the boundary because you're not a therapist and you're feeling drained and it's pulling on you and that's not totally. healthy for you. So your best thing is to say, I think you need to get help. This is an ongoing thing. I'm scared for you. When I don't hear from you, it scares me. So, you know, I want to be here, but I want to be here in helping you get better. And this isn't helping you and it's not helping me. So go to therapy. And if they choose not to, your hands are clean. You've got your boundary. You're protected. And it's their choice. True. And they're a human being. They are capable. And if they want to get significance from someone else, they can do that. But you that this is actually where the boundary comes in, not in the yeah. the guy that's emotionally unavailable. That's <laughs> just like we're just not going to attract those people. Because I'm like wondering even to um, like I, I I I did what you said and I put up the boundary and I told him like I don't like that you're doing this and he called me selfish and said like you know this is how I deal with my depression and I'm like I understand that. Oh, he's so trying to. Oh, yeah. That's that's rough. Yeah. He's like, this is how I deal with my depression. And I'm like, okay, but like I'm I'm going through stuff too. And this the fucked up part is I have to understand that you're going through something and let you deal with it the way that you want to deal with it. But when I'm going through something, I like to deal with it by talking and hugging on my boyfriend. Oh, excuse me, but like my person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, if I'm if I wanna hug you and I wanna like like at least just like cuddle up and just like have everything pretend to be okay for like 10 minutes just because I'm hugging you like I want that but to right. you it's like I don't want to do that because I'm depressed and I'm like well I'm depressed too like I have shit going on too and I want to hug right so firstly you guys are saying selfish like it's a bad thing yeah and it's not your life is about you that yeah. is selfish so people want to say you're being selfish well I but I should be. It's like we're being shamed by being self, selfish. Yeah. You you need to take care of yourself. 
The fact is, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, let's just take the labels out because selfish is something people love to throw around to try and make you feel guilty and shamed. Very true. Just the fact is, whatever you want to call it, I am not comfortable with this anymore. I don't like it. I can't participate. Yeah. So if you can't handle that, I'm sorry. Clearly then we shouldn't be talking if you can't understand is that. It, is it fucked up to like break up with somebody if they're going through that much stuff to the point where they like want to end things and they're telling you about it and then you're like, okay, well, I want to be there for you. Okay, you're, you're stressing me out. You know what? I'm just going to leave you no, alone. No, no, because this is the other thing. To, to have someone, he needs to, any person needs to, to be focusing on getting better, right? Staying uh. stuck isn't doing anything. You don't want to stay stuck. You're like, dude, I have shit I'm trying to figure out and you're figuring it out. I am, right. right? And he's not figuring it out. Motherfucker, you make so much fucking sense. <laughs> Oh, thank you very much. So, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> um, no, but that's that's it. It's just you you require to be a you're not a bitch. Right. You want to be there. I know you you just I said totally it. Totally do. You just don't want to be on the fucking hamster wheel doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again because you're not doing that. Right. You're like, "Dude, I will be there." When you stop being self-absorbed on the hamster wheel right, and want to actually get your shit together and do something about it, I will be there and I will cheerlead the fuck out of you. But right now, you're not doing anything, so right. do nothing over there because you're not doing anything is affecting my doing something for myself. Right. You're just not aligned. Right. You're just, you're. this is what you're sensing. You're wanting him to do something you weren't sure what it is he needed to do you're trying he's not that's where the disconnect is so he's saying you're selfish because you're actually doing something and he wants to keep you down here yeah. with him and you're like dude fuck off like you know when you want to grow grow with me we'll grow together we'll, we'll lift each other up but you're not doing that oh so, my god that's what i told him i was like if we're both having a bad day then let's have a bad day together it sounds like he doesn't want he to doesn't get want better to. he wants to keep in the cesspool of depression and sadness and you don't want to. Oh no, I don't I So it's very simple. You I just, am just not a sad person. I don't I don't I just don't allow it. Because you don't feel you've chosen for sadness. Sadness doesn't give you anything. No, yeah, exactly. There are people who choose sadness and their and crime and like putting a gun to someone's head makes it it it's like what's gonna happen? It's excitement and it's like significant i feel like with the you depression know? people like people like to feel pitied and i personally don't i don't like when people feel sorry for me and i don't like when people feel like they have to help me i don't like that feeling so when i'm like depressed i kind of just not even depressed because i don't get depressed no more i feel like now it's just like let's dissect why this happened take the positive out of it what lesson did i learn move the fuck on Right. And I move the fuck on, but that's how my that's how my parents raised me. It's just like like literally like life happens, bitch. Move the fuck on. And he's so stuck that it yeah. I just don't know how to handle it because I'm like, I'm not like that. Right. It's and it's really tricky. I mean, I rent 
I went through depression when I quit ballet in my 12th year of, of high school. Grade 12? Yeah. 12th grade? What do you call it in the U.S.? Whatever. 12th grade, yeah. 12th grade. Mm -hmm. So my, my senior, senior year. Senior year, yeah, senior year. Senior year. <laughs> and um, right in the summer before. And I got really depressed because it was my life. My grades dropped. Like I was so much more efficient when I was dancing. It was just the creativity and everything. I was very, very sad. And I, I, it was a loss. I was grieving. So oh. that's a little bit different. Um, I went through uh, depressive episodes when I, I mean, I went through my big legal battle. You know, oh, that's I was right. bouncing up and down and like freaking out and depressed. And, and then I would be, and I, I would be toggling through all of it. True depression. I mean, and, and we, to be honest, we're still learning so much about mental illness, but, yes. but you know, depression, mm -hmm. is it really just a state of mind and being? Is it truly a chemical thing? Like, right. you know, so it's, it's, is it a consciousness thing? Like people, like artists, they love their depressive states because they're the most creative. We're starting to think that true, depre true depression, if there was one, is actually an altered conscious state that allows you to tap into this sort of realm of creativity. I get that. So we have to really take this definition of depression and, and really dissect it into how is it being experienced and how is the person being utilizing it? Because sometimes right. it is just behavioral or taught or learned and people just get stuck in it and they're using it as a significance thing or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe it is a conscious thing, like they, they you know, get depressed and sad and they get their most creativity. And a lot of artists don't ever want to get rid of it because their most brilliant work comes from there and yeah. they want to be dark. And But they don't, they're not the ones reaching out to people. They don't want to get better. They usually don't you know, do that with other people. They just know when they're sad, they're going to lock themselves in the room. They're going to paint or they're going to sculpt yeah. or whatever. So we're not painting everyone who experiences depression with the same brush. But what you brought up was a really good piece. So outside of an artist who generally likes to, they don't want to be medicated. I've seen artists who are like, I feel sad. What is going on with me? Is it bipolar? Is it depression? Do you want medicine? Well, no, I kind of like having my lows. Okay, so, so – that's fine. That's your choice. That's your livelihood. Okay. But with someone who it's not their livelihood, it doesn't serve them other than to feel significant. You as the person in their life can, can choose whether you want to be a part of that or not. You can enable them and be codependent or you can say, okay, when, if you, if this is a, a really a problem for you, then you need to do something about it. And I will be with you on your treatment and, and recovery journey. But otherwise I I can't be there because it's not healthy for me. Right. Yeah. And and it's and it is okay. Now and then there's other gray areas where people really do have what's, you know, considered in western medicine however, you know, true it is, you know, major depressive episodes when they're up and down and up and down. Well, that's where sometimes they're on treatment and they're trying to do the best they can and maybe it really is chemical or the gut brain access and there's shit going on that really is beyond their control and they really do want to get better but they can't. That's another story where then as a as a spouse or a caregiver or a partner it can get very burdensome it can yep. be challenging and that's where you have to have the discussion okay when you get to this level it's hard for me or this is how we're going to cope but there generally is you know an intention of that person to want to get better oftentimes they're medicated or they're, they're doing something so there's some gray area too but you still get a choice and you still get to decide how much you want to participate in that experience right so it's about you and what your limits are. And no one can tell you you're an asshole or you're selfish in a bad way for not 
tolerating it or, or you know, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Know your limits and accept them and be like, you know what? I cannot deal with anyone who has depression ever because it brings me down and I'm sensitive and I don't want to deal with it, period. And that's okay. That is totally okay. Own it. Be okay with it. There's lots of people who have the capacity and who are willing to and it's part of their experience to want to be there for people who experience that. If you're not one of them, it's fine. Just part and take no shame. Right. Mic drop. Mic drop, bish. And on that note. And on that note, <laughs> it's a quickie episode today of Q&A. Thank you guys for listening. I hope those little tidbits helped you. That was great. All right. Mm -hmm. Until next time.